0: Good morning, everybody. Hey, good to see you guys. How are you doing in the back up there? Doing good? Probably time to move that curtain back, huh? Get rid of that and just fill this theater up. Good to see you guys. Did anybody anybody buy their significant other popcorn today or anything? I'm just waiting for somebody to bless the rest of the church with popcorn. But uh, you're like, you do it, Pastor. Oh, well, it's good to see you guys today. I stayed up kind of late watching the Polynesian Bowl because, you know, any college football or kind of college-ish football that you can get, high school football, yeah. And the Ducks got some recruits, which I was excited about. Yeah, we're bringing in the beef to get on the line, you know. Coach Tagger gave me a call and was like, Jake, can you come play? I'm like, sorry, I used my eligibility up. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely did not. Um, whatever is lower than a one-star is what I was rated, you're a no star. You're a negative two star, Jake. And if I had the speed, the strength, the football IQ, the will, any of those things, or I would I would have really done it. But because I lack all those things, I wasn't able to, to play. You all right? I'm just trying to wake you up a little bit this morning. Good to see you guys. Well, hey, we've been in a, in a series called Practically Spiritual. And uh, we're going to continue that today. And this has been uh, an enjoyable series to, to speak on and just an enjoyable topic. And it's something that I'm really passionate about. I, I want to see people get connected to God. And, you know, I think there's this, this common misconception about faith, about maybe what's called religion or even Christianity, that God wants to make it hard for you to get to him. And I think perhaps many of us have an image of God that, is, that we need to replace. Maybe we're seeing God as kind of this accountant uh, with a scowl on his face uh, sitting up in heaven waiting for you to mess up so he can just slam you down or just give you, you know, boils or something or let you get eaten by a whale or something like that. Uh, we maybe have this image of God that he's, or maybe we, we kind of think of him as obscure, that he's like Zeus up in the clouds and you can't get to him and he's unreachable. And these things are, are wrong images uh, of God. God is this infinite, majestic, amazing creator, all-powerful, omniscient God, yes, but he's also personal. Meaning this, that he wants to have a relationship with you and with, with me. And I actually want to tell you this today, that as much as you want to have a relationship with God, he wants to have a relationship with you so much more. The, 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 the most religious feeling that you've ever had, I want to know God, I want to connect with him, I want to know how to read my Bible, I want to know how to pray. The most sincere prayer you've ever prayed, that, that deepest emotion to connect with God, he goes above and beyond that all the time. And we see that, not illustrated, but literally played out in Jesus. That God not only sat on His heavenly throne and said, I hope they get it, I hope they figure it out some there," but He literally became a man and He came down and He walked among us, this mystery of the Incarnation, and He gave His life on a cross. As much as you want to know God, God wants to know you so much more. And He proved it through His Son, Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and this is your first time darkening the doors of a church or a movie theater or, you know, whatever we are here. I think, is it okay to have church in a movie theater? We're just, we're just seeing how it goes. But um, maybe you're here and you're kind of like, I'm trying to understand this God thing and I hope I put the right clothes on. And I, oh, I did I raise my hands at the right time when all the other people did? And are they going to make me do a special dance? And are, are we going to have to light any candles? You know, I, I don't know what your background is with religion or anything like that. But I'm just here to tell you right now that God brought you to this point. You're so welcome. And God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants to have a relationship with you, and it's not trying to make it difficult. He's not trying to hide. He's not sitting up there angry at you. I believe that God is smiling at you today, excited that you're here, because He wants you to connect with His Son, Jesus, right? And I don't mean that sin doesn't matter or that that, nothing changes when you become a Christian. That's not what I'm talking about. The gospel changes us as we come to know Christ, Right? God loves us right where we are, but he doesn't leave us there in our mess. He helps us to to grow and to change. But what I'm telling you right now is that God wants to have a relationship with you even more than you've ever wanted to have a relationship with him. Whether you're just coming to church for the first time today or you've been a Christian for 30 years, it doesn't matter. God still loves you more than you could ever love him. It takes humility to be a Christian. Do you know that? Because we think sometimes, oh, now I've got it. Now I really understand what it means to walk with God. Let me just say, I don't have a clue. Weren't you a pastor? Barely. <laughs> you know, I, some days I wake up and I'm barely, I feel like I'm barely a Christian. But guess what? It's not about how I feel. It's about my faith in Christ. It's all about what Jesus did. And God has brought me into his family. And so no matter how I feel on any given day, I'm his son. Yes. Come on. and you can, You're his son. You're his daughter. you can be part of the family of God. And so as we continue in this series, I'm just I'm, I'm a little passionate. I don't know if you can tell. I'm like jumping ahead of myself. I'm just just getting in. Is that okay, Judah? All right, thanks. As we continue this series on how to access God and and just kind of the the means by which we interact with God, practically spiritual, I want to talk about the subject of prayer. And for many, this is one of those topics that can be intimidating or maybe for some it feels like, well, you know, I've never really had a prayer life and God's mad at me because I don't know how to pray or whatever. But very simply, prayer is just communication with God. Prayer is communication with God. And part of communication is speaking, but the other part is listening, right? How many of you know that if somebody says, well, that guy's a good communicator, oftentimes they miss it? Because sometimes we say that person's a good communicator, it means they know how to talk. But communication is actually about speaking and listening. And I want to hopefully set you free today. Hopefully, some of the things I say really help you to understand that prayer is not knowing the right thing to say, it's not having the right words. It's posturing yourself and saying, God, I'm, I'm here to meet with you. And is it saying some things? Sure, but it's not about saying the right things or getting the, the order right or anything like that. It's also about listening and just making yourself available to hear God. Prayer is communication with God, which is both speaking and listening. So maybe today you're like, I'm intimidated by prayer. I have no idea what to say. Can you listen? Can you access God in prayer through listening? We can all do that. Prayer is one of these incredibly Amazing gifts that God has given each and every one of us, and yet it is unused so often. I kind of lament in my own life that I haven't built a deep prayer life to the level that, that I want to. You know, I'm not speaking to you as an expert on prayer by any means. I'm speaking to you as somebody who wants to know God, wants to become a person of prayer, wants to be a person of prayer. And I know that when I pray, and when I engage God in prayer, my life changes and things happen, and it's awesome. But I'm still growing in that. So can we grow together? Is that all right? And it's this, this thing that prayer for many of us is, is unused, and that's a shame, because prayer is access to God, the creator of heaven and earth. Very simply, prayer is access to God. I want you to think about a moment in your life when you've been in maybe a deep moment of distress, and maybe it was a financial thing, and there was, let's say, maybe with the bank, you were losing your house, or I know that a lot of people back in the recession time had difficulties, and perhaps there was an individual that was identified to you, well, if this vice president of the bank or this president of the bank, if I could just speak to this person, if I had access and I could plead my case, they could actually do something on my behalf. And so oftentimes we find ourselves without access into the presence of those that are in power. Isn't that true? How many of you have ever felt like in your life in any way that you've, you don't have a voice That that you just can't, if you could just have access into this person of power, if I could just talk to the president, then I could see these things change. If I could just talk to, you know, coach uh, of the Ducks, and they could get the plays and do it right. I mean, all of us guys feel like if we just had access to the coach, we could explain to them, you know, coach, run the ball, you know. It's all, coach, I love my wife, you know, it's her birthday today. She's turning 21. It's an exciting day. And, uh. Bethany and I, she, she sometimes watches college football with me because she loves me, and uh, not because she likes it, but she loves me, and uh, we, we always crack up when they interview the coach at halftime. You know, the coach is like, you're running out there trying to get in the locker room, and they always say, okay, coach, what do you, what do you think today? And Bethany does it so much better than me, so forgive me, but the, the coach speak, well, you know, we just, we got to stop them from scoring the football, and if we could score it, that would be good. So, coach, what are you going to tell the team in there? I'm going to tell them to play the game better. I mean, I think I could be a football coach, right? Okay, guys, listen. You go score more than the other team and don't let them score points, right? That's pretty much all there is to it, right? But they they do it in all these different terms. But access. What would it be like to have access to the coach? What would it be like to have access to the mayor? What would it be like to have access to the president to say, look, Uh, This is how we should do things. And all of us at different times are really wanting access, and yet we let access with God, which has been provided to us through the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf of his life to bring us into God's presence, and this ability to access God and communicate with God in prayer, we let that door that stands wide open remain unused. And it's a shame, isn't it? It's a tragedy that so many of God's People and, and people in the world leave this door that stands wide open to them, completely unused. And they sit and they, you know, I do this myself. I, I call my friends, hey, what do you think I should do? And I call my, my parents, what do you think I should do? And I call different people and I don't ask God, God, what should I do? Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. You have access to God. Well, Pastor Jake, I'm a sinner. That means I don't have access to God. No, Jesus paid for your sins. By receiving Christ, you have access to God's presence. Why do we let this access remain unused? My brother Gino, he he loves movies, he loves film, and he always likes to buy the DVD set that has like 19 hours of special features. How many of you are like that? Like, okay, a few people. Well, my brother Gino, he's like, you know, I bought this Lord of the Rings thing, and there's I think there's like three weeks of DVDs. <laughs> He has a PhD in making the film, you know what I mean? He, I'm like, hey, who did this? He's like, oh, this was, you know, he put this together and that was the guy that made his nose and this person was the voice of the goblin and this guy, he does the special effects. I mean, he has a master's degree uh, from watching all of this content, special features. He loves to have access to see what's going on behind the scenes, right? And he uses that access to, to gain knowledge. Why don't we use our access to God? I remember when I was young, our church used to have Christian bands come through. There was a concert promoter that my dad had connected with, and so we'd bring these Christian bands through. How many of you ever heard of the band Third Day? Those guys are kind of old. They're like Fifth Day now, but (laughs) anyways, Third Day came through. uh, I'll be here all week, folks. Okay. Uh, Third Day came through Medford, and this was before they were a big, you know, Christian band, before Mac Powell. He was just Mac then, then he was Mac Daddy Powell later, but... But Mac, you know, he comes through, and these are just these young guys and real nice guys. And I remember being a young kid, and the band members from Third Day, we had access to them because they were at our church. And so we're eating pizza with them. We're hanging out. And I remember uh, me and my friend, uh, my friend and I, sorry, all the teachers in the the room, my friend and I uh, were speaking with the band, and the guitar player was encouraging us. And it was incredible. It was very encouraging to me as a young musician. We're like, we want to be a rock band like you, and you guys can do it. Just make sure you practice your instruments. And having that access to these really high-level, awesome guys transformed my life in the area of music. It was an encouragement to me. Access is a powerful thing, isn't it? When you have access to go in and, and plead your case, to communicate, to learn, to engage, you have access with God provided to you through Jesus. Why do we neglect it? Don't let that door just sit there open and unused, but enter in to God's presence. Why do we neglect access? I want to give you four things very quickly. Four things that why we neglect to pray. Number one, and this is just common things that I hear all the time. I don't know how. Don't know how. And and just be honest. We'll do a a straw poll here. I don't know if that's what that's called, but by a show of hands, how many of you have ever felt, and and I'm with you, I would pray, but I don't know how. Anybody? Okay, a lot of people. I don't know how, or I don't understand, or I won't do a good job. That's one reason we neglect to pray, and I'll talk about this. Number two, we don't think we have the time. And, and I know we live in a very busy uh, culture. We have jobs, and usually now there's, you know, a, a dad and the mom both work, and kids go to daycare and, or school, and it's very busy, and time is at a premium. It feels like more than any other time in history. And people say, I, I really would pray, but I, I don't have time or I don't have enough time. That's a common thing that we hear, why we neglect it. Number three, maybe we don't think it's important. Maybe you wouldn't say this, but really, you know, if I can, I will. If I if I can't, then it's not really that big of a deal. It's not that important. Number four, we don't believe that it makes any difference. Maybe you prayed for something at one time and it didn't happen. And so you said, well, you know, that's just kind of a fairy tale or it's whatever. It doesn't make any difference. Praying just kind of makes me feel better or... And you'll actually hear people teach this. Well, you know, we pray and it doesn't do anything, but it changes us. And there's probably some truth in, in some of that thought, but that's a common thing that people will say. This is why I don't pray. I want to go through each of these things one by one. Number one, I don't know how. I don't know how to pray. And I want to let you know today that prayer is not for experts. Access to God is not for the pastor, the priest, the the, the intermediary, you don't need an intermediary. Jesus is the intermediary. Jesus was the sacrifice that provided you access to God's presence. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to go to Bible college to know how to pray. In fact, you can start to pray right now and actually pray very effectively. Pray with strength. Pray with vigor. You can, you can have a wonderful, rich prayer life with actually very little training just to understand a couple of things Prayer, very simply, again, it's communication with God and you were created for relationship with God. God put inside of you the ability to communicate. Every human being has the ability to communicate. And that doesn't just go from human to human, person to person. You have the the ability to communicate with God. Let me say that again. You have the ability right now. There's no special thing. We don't have to say a prayer or anoint you with oil you right now have the ability to communicate with God, okay? Let that kind of sink in for a second because God made you to have a relationship with him and with other people. We are relational beings. Fundamentally, intrinsically, we are relational beings. We know how we, we engage and we communicate very naturally, instinctively. I have small kids, and they're all at different levels of communication. My daughter, Evie, uh, is at the level of communication where she knows everything, and um, she's five, and so she's always coaching and teaching mom and I what to do. And yesterday we were in the car, and we we're like, Evelyn, be quiet. We don't need your plan. Mom and I have a plan. We're fine. Yeah. Okay, Dad. You know, <laughs> silence. And uh, they're playing quiet ball in there today. That was a, we were laughing about that with the teachers. Quiet ball. You know, and Evie asked about that, and Bethany said, Well, just listen to the name, and you'll know what it means. <laughs> uh, but our children are at different levels of communication. Evie's five. She's. She's very eloquent. She knows how to speak, doesn't really know how to listen, but she's working on this, and she's she's a good communicator. She's five. Then we have Jack, and he's three, and today he put on his shirt, and he said, I'm Pastor Jack. We said, oh, Pastor Jack, what are you speaking on today? I said, I'm going to preach on prayer. What are you going to preach on? He said, poop. (laughs) So that's what your children are learning with Pastor Jack in the kids' class. So, you know, okay, great, you know, yeah, that's, you know, everyone does it, right? It is, it's definitely a relevant message. So, uh, Jack, that's like, you know, to him, the height of communication. He just thinks it's the funniest thing in the world, poop, right? He's three, and that's where his level's at. Penny, 18 months, and she, she wants water. She goes, you know, it's awesome. Hey, Penny, you know, what do you need? Flipper. Okay, so that's where her level of communication is at. And she, she's actually saying words now and, and communicates. But she can communicate. We know what she means. And guess what? We weren't, we weren't like, okay, kids, we're having a communication lesson. Everybody sit down. Uh, you know, let's get the table ready. We're going to learn how to communicate. Kids, they instinctively reach out for communication. We are made to communicate. And God made you to communicate. And he didn't just make you to communicate with other people. He made you to communicate with him. You have the ability to speak. You have the ability to listen. You have the ability to communicate with God. Even if it's at a very elementary level, you have that ability. And I love what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 5. His disciples were talking to him about prayer. And Jesus kind of blew away this mystique or this kind of off-putting idea that prayer is for experts. And he actually, he told them something very dynamic that really it's about persistence, Will you just keep doing it more than it is about expertise? How many stubborn people think that's like your life philosophy? Persistence trumps expertise, right? Yeah, my buddy John, poster child, right? So just kidding. <laughs> I love you, John. But, you know, if I, put, if I just keep running into the wall, it will fall down eventually, right? And Jesus said, this is what you want We understand this about prayer. And in Luke chapter 11, he, he tells this awesome story. He says, teaching them more about prayer He used this story, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, which is exactly what you're going to hear if you come to my house at midnight. Except for unlike in this story, I will not come to the door. But don't bother me, the door is locked for the night, my family and I are all in bed, I can't help you. And if you know me, past 11 o'clock at night, I can't help you. I will only hurt you, right? So if you need any help, it has to happen. No, I'm just teasing, but no, I'm not. Okay. Verse 8. But I tell you this, though, he won't do it for friendship's sake. If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need. Because of your deep devotion. Oh, no. Because of your expertise and the words that you used. Because of your loquacious elocution. No. He will give you whatever you need because of your what? Say it with me. Shameless persistence. This is Jesus teaching us on prayer. Not the right words, not the right heart attitude, not because you're a perfect person, but because you will not quit. Do you want to know God? Continue to press, continue to ask, continue to seek, continue to knock. Jesus says, and so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Nobody wants to be the shameless, persistence person. Some people just own it. Yeah, that's who I am. That's who I am. I just pester, 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 pester until I get in my way. But let me just tell you something like that. Those kind of people actually get things done. Some people refuse to quit. And so by default, when everybody else drops off, they win. And Jesus says, this is the kind of attitude that you need to have about prayer. Not that I have to know everything or be something special, but I just continue to press in. I continue to press in in prayer. Doesn't always mean you're going to get... The answer that you want, but God will answer. You will receive. God will come through. Come on. Prayer is more about shameless persistence. This is what Jesus said than it is about expertise. Well, I don't know how to pray. Okay. Maybe you don't know how to pray. Well, in your not knowing how, keep doing it. Because as you continue to seek God, he will continue to reveal himself. And guess what? You will get better at prayer if there is such a thing as getting better at prayer. But something will happen in this thing, this is what Jesus says, continue to ask, continue to seek, continue to knock. It's communication with God. Now, next week, I will give a practical teaching on how to pray through the Lord's Prayer, how Jesus he gave us some words to speak and some, some, a framework by which we can pray and, 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 and pray good prayers. Okay, So I'm not saying just you know, get up there and just go you know, in front of God or something, but shameless persistence. Number two, I don't have time. Well, there was a study that was done back in 2010 said Americans spend 63.5 billion minutes on social networks and blogs. How much time do you spend on social networks? You know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Another Nielsen study indicated that an average Internet user spends 68 hours on the Internet per month, which equates to about two hours and six minutes per day. Now, I know there's a few people, a few curmudgeons, you know, who are like, no, I don't use the Internet. That's newfangled technology. But let me just give you the reality of our culture, The average person, including me, spends a tremendous amount of time connected to the web, connected to the Internet, connected in some way, whether that's online, uh, maybe working online or whatever. But two hours and six minutes a day is what the average person in the United States of America spends online. That's one activity, one thing. And we say we don't have time to pray. That's not true. We do have the time. And let me tell you how it works. We make time for what's important to us. Two weeks ago or last week, uh, the Ducks and the Beavers were playing the Civil War. And uh, my friend Mark, you know, called and said, hey, I had four tickets. I can't use them. What Do you, you want to go? You know, and I had other things happen on Saturday night. And guess what happened to all those other things? <laughs> Just schedules and, you know, what's that to me, right? Because something that's pretty awesome, four tickets to the Oregon Ducks versus the Beavers uh, basketball game, came available, and guess who had time? Me. You see, when you think about God and having access to his presence and time to pray, you make time for what is important to you. So this whole thing of I don't have time, it just means that you probably need to reprioritize some things in life, right? Because if it's valuable, And vital, which it is, you'll make time for it. Number three, prayer, is it important? Yes, it's vitally important. Because it's our lifeline to God. It's our communication with God. Those of you that are married, what would happen if you just stopped talking to your spouse? You just stopped talking. I heard somebody say it would be awesome. Yeah. We have marriage counseling available, sir, uh, whoever that was. Yeah. What would happen if you just cut off communication? The relationship would shrivel up and die. Communication is the lifeline of a strong relationship. It was very sad. Uh, Bethany and I saw this couple. They were probably in their 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s. We were on our our honeymoon, and uh, we were on a bus tour through England and Scotland. So it was us and a bunch of octogenarians and, uh, yeah, a bunch of 80-year-olds. And it was awesome. It was great. So we were kind of cute. We were like the pets, you know, on the trip. And uh, oh, you're so cute. You'll learn. And um, so we're on this trip, and there was this couple, and it was deeply sad. So here's Bethany and I, and of course we're on our honeymoon, and we're in love, and we're you know everything's great, and we're just communicating, and you know I'm everything I say is brilliant, everything everything she does is beautiful. I mean we're just you know everything's perfect, right? You're on your honeymoon, and we look over at this other couple, and they're a married couple, and they every meal if they had to sit together, sometimes they could sit with other people, but if they had to sit together they would sit there dead silent. They would not speak, not even like pathosal. I mean, it was completely silent, and what we saw was a dead relationship. And so a prayerless Christian means that you don't communicate with God or you communicate so little. What do you think your spiritual life looks like? If you could get a glimpse, it would just be a dead, shriveled, desiccated thing. Communication is the lifeline of healthy relationship. Communication is a watermark of our relationships. You show me a married couple that can communicate, they probably have a strong marriage. You show me a coach who can communicate to his players, probably have a strong team. You have a team working at a business, a team that has strong communication. In many situations, you're going to have a strong team. Communication is a watermark. It kind of sets the depth of how successful an operation can be. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't think prayer is important, just realize this, that apart from your relationship with God, apart from him, you can do nothing. And it doesn't mean that you can't do anything at all. No, you can do a lot of things, but it won't have any life. won't have any power. One of the saddest things to me that I've encountered just in my brief journey as a a leader and a pastor, is churches that have programmed things so well that they could operate outside of being connected to the vine. You know, are are we as a people, are we as a church, just good at putting on a show, or good at at putting on a performance, good at speaking a clever message and giving three tips and tricks on how to have a better life today? Oprah can give you that. But are we connected to the vine? It's deeply And vitally important that we be a praying church because we're not here as a social club to come together as, you know, a few hundred Christians and have a nice time on Sundays. God has placed us here for a purpose, for a a reason, for such a time as this. I believe that God has called Joy Church to be a church planting church to be a church that sends, to be a church that multiplies, that we don't, are we going to add and grow? And, and, and yes, we are, but God is going to take what we have and he wants to spread that around. We don't want to make a mark just in our area. We want to see God use us as a people to impact the world and to see God's kingdom come. Are you with me? And so if we're going to see that come to pass, it's not going to work to do it in our own strength. No, if you remain in me and we have to remain in prayer, connected to God, come on, open, go through the door, it's open. It's vitally important. Number four, well, prayer doesn't make a difference. I'm here to tell you today that prayer does make a difference. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it says, If my people, this is God speaking, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. I don't care where you are on the political spectrum, conservative, liberal, you know, wherever you are, but we we need uh, to see our land healed. We need to see our land healed. There's fatherlessness. There's addiction. There's brokenness. There's despair. People are so connected online but so disconnected in real life. Our land needs to be healed. And let me just tell you, the answer is not to preach better sermons or to have a better logo or to make more money. The answer is when my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray, seek my face. Come on, turn from their wicked ways. I will hear. God will listen. There's access. And I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Prayer makes a tremendous difference. Prayer Is a way that God has chosen to respond to that to make a difference in the affairs of mankind. And there's deep mystery in this because there's a tension here between the sovereignty of God and God gets his way and does what he wants and moves the heart of the king and all this, and then our prayers, and there's a deep mystery there. And I don't always understand, you know, am I praying in the will of the God or, uh, will, in the the will of the Lord or not? Am I, and I know there's these kind of questions, and we'll continue to wrestle with this, but I want to tell you this, that prayer does make a difference. God choose, has chosen to, to command his people to pray, and he responds to the prayers of his people. It says it right here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Prayer is this means of opening up this relationship with God through which God chooses to act. I love this quote by Archbishop of Canterbury from time past, William Temple. He says, when I pray, coincidences happen, and when I don't, they don't. (laughs) I wish I was a smart enough guy to come up here and tell you exactly how prayer works. I don't know. I just know that when I pray, God moves. There's coincidences Things change, things happen, hearts open up, people soften towards God when I pray for them. Well, you know, my kids, they won't listen and they just won't turn to God and they're just so locked into this thing. Let me tell you one of the most powerful forces in the universe is a praying mom. Moms maybe spend a little bit less time nagging, I don't say that mean, but dads spend a, less, a little bit less time lecturing and spend a little bit more time praying and saying, God, will you, will you turn this, this child's heart, come on, Maybe spend a little bit less time complaining about what the church is doing and, and all the things that we're doing wrong and so on and so forth. Maybe spend more time praying, saying, God, will you move? God, will you use our imperfections? God, will you use our mostly idiotic Pastor Jake sometimes to do something good? I'm just having fun. God, will you use will you use me? Do we access God in prayer? Prayer makes a difference. When I pray, coincidences happen, and when I don't, they don't. John Piper said this, and I like I love this. He says, Prayer is not forgetting man's will done in heaven, but forgetting God's will done on earth. Prayer is not about us getting our way. It's about us as a conduit letting God get his way in us, through us, around us. How many of you want to see in the words of Jesus' prayer, and we'll talk about this next week, but his kingdom come, his will be done on earth, in our midst, as it is in heaven. That's what I want to see happen. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple practical steps here, and we'll go. Home today and eat something good. I won't use my stupid joke about beating the other churches to the restaurants. My team was telling me that I tell it every week, and I've been chastised, so I will leave that joke aside. Even though, yes, we do get out early so we can beat the other churches to the best restaurants. <clears throat> yeah. Amen. So good to have staff that keep you humble that you can also dock their pay. Okay. <clears throat> Number one, practical steps in prayer. What can we do? Come like a child. Believe that God loves you. Believe that God hears you. Believe that God has the power to do what you're asking and wait for the answer. And understand that sometimes the answer is no. You know, I love my my kids because there's absolutely zero pretense in our relationship you know, they don't understand that I'm busy and stressed and I have a job and I have to, you know, go do these things and over here and talk to this person. It's like, Dad, you know, hey, um, it's Tuesday uh, and let's go to Disneyland. <laughs> okay, you know. Hey, Dad, uh, let's go to Grandma's house today. Well, you know, Grandma lives in Medford and it's a three-hour drive. I'm like, so what? You have a magic box we can get in and get there in three hours. Let's go. You know, kids... They, they absolutely have... There's no pretense there. They, my kids know that I love them. They know that I hear them, as long as they're shamelessly persistent, right? Uh, they, they know that I have the power to do what they're asking. There's nothing for my kids at the age they're at that their dad cannot do for them. So there's none of this, like, Father Jake who art in the master bedroom. Um, if it be thy will to take us to Disneyland, wouldst thou hear from thine room? And... Turn down the volume of thine football game and, and cometh on our behalf. There's none of this. It's like, dad, da let's go to Disneyland, right? They just come. And that's how we're to approach God, like a child. Jesus said, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you have to be like one of these little ones, the, the children. Why? Coming to God, approaching him in this attitude. That's how we come to God. Just completely open. God, I know that, that the answer might be no, but I'm just going to ask, can we go to Disneyland today? Right? Believing that God has the power. And let me just tell you, one day we will go to Disneyland. And so what happens if you don't ask, right? hear what I'm saying? One one day the answer will be, yeah, actually we're going to be doing that and and mom and I have got this planned out and we're going, right? Probably not on the spur of the moment, but it will be there. That shameless persistence, that continuity continuing to come. We come like a little child. Number two, we need to build our prayer life on a foundation of love, not guilt. And I could preach on this all day. I'm not going to. But a prayer life that's built on guilt will not last. If you're like, oh, I heard this message, and our pastor was kind of smacking us about prayer, and you know, oh, I should pray. Uh, uh, you know, and so I get up tomorrow, I'm like, our oh, Father, in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, man, I'm done. God, that was boring. Uh. If you build your prayer life on guilt, it will fail. It will go away. It won't last. Right? It has to be built on love. I don't pray because God will smite me if I don't. Do I believe prayer is important? Do I believe that it's it's vital? Absolutely. But I'm not praying from this place of guilt like, oh, if I don't do it, then I'm worthless and God doesn't love me. Actually, I can pray because God loves me, right? And so when I begin to build on this foundation, it changes everything for me. And I, Bethany and I were talking about this a couple years ago. We are talking about devotions and you know, maybe feeling guilty if we didn't do our, our devotions, just meaning our time spent with God, our reading the word and in prayer. And, and feeling like this pressure, like if I don't do this every day, then, then God's going to be angry at me. And it kind of hit me, I don't do devotions for God. I do them for me. If I don't do my devotions, God isn't less awesome than he was before. Right? When we worshiped God today and lifted our hands and sang his praises and said, you know, great are you, Lord. God didn't get greater. He was already the greatest. But you know what happened? We were recognizing a reality that was there and we were being transformed. And God loves our praise, but we're not, we're not making God more God by doing our devotions. We don't do devotions for God. We do them for us. They transform us. They open up a relationship with God to us. And it's incredible because God is making himself available. And what a benefit and a blessing that is to have this time with God. But it's a foundation of love. I want to know him. I love God. I'm, I'm passionate for him. And so I'm coming to him because I have this deep desire, not out of guilt and religious duty, And so many of us have encountered this kind of dead religion where somebody, you know, smacked you if you didn't do something like this. And I'm here to tell you right now, not from guilt, from love. Understand that God's love for you has made this pathway available to you to come into his presence, build your prayer life on that reality, not on guilt. Number three, set aside a time and a place for prayer. Scriptures say that Jesus often withdrew. He often withdrew. He was so deeply connected to his ministry purpose, healing the sick and casting out demons and saving people and and feeding people. But he often withdrew. Why? Because that time of prayer and connection with God was so valuable, so vital to him. And it's important for us to take that time as a discipline and say, this is my time of prayer. Just to get quiet, to listen, to speak to God, yes, but to have time to, to listen, to quiet ourselves. Remember that prayer is communication and communication is more than just speaking. It's also listening. And you've heard that old adage, God gave you two ears and one mouth, right? So you're supposed to listen twice as much as you speak. And I forget that at times. But prayer is so much about listening to God, getting quiet and waiting. I want to encourage you, if you if you walk out of here today and you do one thing, set aside five minutes in the morning and just say, this is my time of prayer. And maybe I'm going to sit there and I'm not going to know what to say and it's going to be quiet, but I'm just going to, Say, God, I'm listening to you. Do you want to speak to me? But set aside some time to pray. Follow the example of Jesus. And I believe over time you'll see that you will begin to have, your prayers will begin to come. This prayer life will grow. It's It's an important spiritual discipline to set aside time for prayer as a discipline, as a duty, not from guilt, but from love. And then this next point, we're almost finished today, almost goes completely against what I just said, And you need to do this. You need to let prayer out of the box. So for some of you, you have that time of prayer. And you've given God the carefully allocated five-minute time. And that's my time of prayer. And I pray to God. And then the rest of your time is your time. And Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It's a great verse. Very simple. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Meaning what? God wants your relationship to happen all the time. You know, it's important to have a discipline of setting aside a time for prayer. But it even goes further where you expand your life and you open it up and just say, God, I'm going to be in fellowship with you all the time. One of my favorite places to pray is in the shower. I love to pray in the car when I'm driving. Not you know necessarily if my kids in Bethany are there and I'm just like you know praying. Usually we're talking, but when I'm alone in the car, a lot of times I turn down the radio and I begin to pray and spend time with God. This whole pray without ceasing thing doesn't mean that you just pray all the time and you never stop. It means that you can you let. God, invade your life at all moments that you keep open this access with God. And this is an, this is the amazing reality of prayer where it kind of breaks away from ritual and it breaks away from habit and it becomes a real relationship that's authentic and organic. And let me tell you the kind of prayers I pray in the car. God, I'm really mad today. I'm angry at this person for what they said. God, I'm frustrated about how I've sinned again in this area, again and again. God, I need you to help me. God, Bethany and I are fighting. We're not on the same... Help me, God, in my marriage. God, I'm, I'm not being a good father right now. I'm yelling at my kids, and I'm just angry at them, and frustrated. Father, will you help me? And you can access God's presence anywhere because you have access. Pray without ceasing is not meant to be this religious duty. Okay, put on your prayer suit. It's God saying I'm here all the time. I want to speak with you. I want you to hear my voice. Let prayer out of the box. And very last point today. We can approach, we should approach God on the basis of Jesus' performance, not our own. Our prayer life is a reflection of our faith in the gospel message. Do we believe that Jesus has made us right with God? And if we believe that, that by accepting Jesus and accepting his forgiveness and taking him as our Lord and our Savior, that he's made us right with God, if we believe that, we can come boldly to his throne because we've been brought in as a son or a daughter into the family of God. We've been made positionally righteous in Christ. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, which to me is probably the foundation of my entire devotional life. Honestly, my entire prayer life, word life, just how I access God. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of grace, the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I don't approach God to be accepted. I am accepted, and therefore I can approach. Do I come to God on the basis of the gospel? Your prayer life is where it really shows, one of those areas where it really shows if you believe the gospel of Jesus or not. You see, a lot of you have maybe been in church for a long time, like me, maybe grew up and, the church or maybe you've been a Christian for 10 plus years and you've adopted this kind of anti-gospel posture of being acceptable and I approach when I'm acceptable and when I'm not acceptable I don't approach and that's unbiblical because you're unacceptable every day if you're not perfect you've missed it therefore you have to decide do I fully trust and embrace the gospel that Jesus did everything for me. and Whether I'm having a good week or a bad week or whatever, when I come before God, who is seen? Is it Jake and his sin or is it Jesus and his righteousness? And when you believe in the gospel that God saved sinners, that he gave his son Jesus and he paid for your sins, if you believe that message... That he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Would be made right with God. That like Paul says in the book of Romans chapter 5 that we can rejoice in this wonderful new relationship that we have with God. If you believe that then your prayer life will take off through the sky because you will not come in guilt. You will not come out of duty. You will come as a son or a daughter and you will say God I'm here and I know that you love me. And God I know I messed up last week. God I messed up last night. God I did a bunch of wrong stuff but I'm here, God. I'm here to ask you for what I need. God, I'm here to tell you uh, what I want to see happen in the world. God, I'm here to listen to your voice so you can change me. Come on. Your prayer life will go from a duty, will go from something dead, written on the words on a page, and it will go to something alive and living, a real relationship with God. And that kind of prayer is exciting to me. When I wake up in the morning and I begin to speak to my father, and guess who my father is? He's the king of the universe. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He's more powerful than any political system that exists on the he's more powerful than anything that's out there come on when I can access my father come on get up on your feet today come on let's pray right now God you are incredible God you are amazing Lord I pray that right now the bonds of religion would be broken in this place that every single sinner God we're all sinners before you Lord would understand the power of the gospel that not only opens up everlasting life, but opens up everlasting life here and now, today. That we can know you, that we can fellowship with you. And right now I pray, God, that the, the bonds of guilt and condemnation would be broken on the lives of your people. That, Lord, every single person right now would with humility just come like a child and say, God, here I am, I'm going to be a person of prayer.